Let's get into our message today. I, I title it Fullness in Fellowship, and it comes from Colossians 4, verses 10 to 14. The Word of God reads, uh, My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have heard instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea in Herapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Let's pray and let's seek after God together. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We know that it's a difficult time that we're all going through, but Father, we ask that you would speak to us and Father, help us to truly find you in the midst of all that's going on today. We thank you, God, so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, over the past week, I've grown very fond of this particular passage. And the reason why is because Paul, once again, is under house arrest. He can't leave his house just like us. And yet, instead of complaining about what he can't do, instead of complaining about what he doesn't have, or how bored he is, or that he's eating rice for every single meal, or the, how there's absolutely nothing else to watch on Netflix anymore, Instead, he's focused on the, really, on the things that really matter, which is the worship of Christ, the mission of the church, and having real fellowship with other Christian believers. And I believe that's where we all need to go. Which brings me to something that I want to say before you know, we get into our message today, and that's this. Will you please make Christ first? Make Christ. Christ first. You know, we're starting our seventh week in lockdown, and the leadership of the church has been working really hard, or at least, you know, we've been thinking very hard and praying very hard. What are the ways we can help our people? What are the ways we can build our people and equip our people and strengthen our people during this time? Officers, CG leaders, ministry leaders, we're all working hard, but you have to understand that we're struggling as well. And so we're trying to work hard for you as we struggle. Um, I'm sure by now, all of you are sick of people asking you, how are you? No, how are you really? No, 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 really. How are you? <laughs> you know, aren't we tired of hearing all that? But it's good, it's good though. But the reason why we do that is because we know that mental health is a serious issue. It's affecting all of us, this lockdown is, and we know that it is mentally taxing. Um, and so we wanna make sure that you're healthy. But after six weeks of this, there's a part of me that's kind of sensing this as a leader. You know, things like mental health, which is important. Things like family health, social health, physical health especially. For some reason, they've become prioritized over our spiritual health. And I think when that happens, that's a recipe for destruction in life, lockdown or not. You know, the Bible says that we are to seek first God and his kingdom and his righteousness. And when we do, all the other things in life will be given to us. Everything that we need, God will provide if we seek God first. It means that when we get, so that means that when we get our relationship with God right first, everything else will come 
along. God says that when he sees us putting him first within our lives, that's when he's going to fill us and satisfy us and provide us with all that we need so that every area of our lives can now have the fullness of Christ in it. So we need to seek Christ first, don't we? You know, this is a time that we really need to fight hard for our spiritual life. Being right with God and being close to God will give us the power and the strength that we need to fight the evil one, to overcome all of our temptations, to hunger for holiness, and to, and to grow in Christ so that we can be healthy enough to be a blessing to others and to love them with the fullness of Jesus Christ. He must be first. So please make Christ first. Pursue Christ first in your life and fight for that. Um, I hope these words from the book of James, from James himself, will not only encourage you, but challenge you. Um, James 4, 7 to 10 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. And then what's going to happen? He will flee from you. Come near to God. Choose to make him first. And what will happen? He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify you, your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, I don't know about you, but I want to be lifted up by God. You know, I want that. I want his wind to be beneath my sails. You know, I want to be carried by his strength, by his joy, by his love each and every single day. But what does it take? These, this passage says it takes our full submission to God and our full resistance to the devil, right? We call that repentance. It takes full repentance to make that happen. You know, it's week seven of the lockdown and there doesn't seem to be uh, an end in immediate view, does there? You know, so in my opinion, this is kind of like the new norm for a little bit. And so as your spiritual leader, can I say this with utmost sensitivity? Can I ask you to stop making excuses for your spiritual life? You know, let's stop allowing the evil one to continually have victory over our minds, over our hearts, over our lives. If yesterday is not how you want to live for God, then just change it for tomorrow. Change it, right? Live the life that you were saved for. Make tomorrow different. Make eternal choices. Live a life that makes eternal differences, not only in your life, but in the lives of others. And that has to start now. Fight to stay right with God and seek Him first. You know, about two weeks ago, I felt like that in my life. I'm like, dude, why, am I, why do I feel like I'm getting dull? in my spiritual life. And I realized I wasn't fighting. You know, I was already sick of Netflix and YouTube. So you know what I started doing? I started watching Right Now Media so much. And it makes a huge difference just watching Christian material, watching people and, and videos that talk about Christ. Some of them are fun. Some of them are challenging. A lot of them are inspiring. But it makes me think about Christ and the gospel. And it makes me hunger for him even more. You know, I started changing a lot of my music to start listening to Christian music a lot more in my life. And that's inspiring. Even if it's background music, it really makes a difference in how we feel, how we think, what we pursue. You know, a few weeks ago, my heart was so stressed and anxious 
about leading our church during this difficult time. But if I'm very honest with you, right now at this point, it's not bad. And I believe it's positioned to care more for you guys and to work even harder. And that comes by seeking Christ first. What does it say in Matthew 6.33? It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, please, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I am not angry. I'm passionate. But I am not angry. But I am frustrated. I'm totally frustrated with this situation, just like you might be. And I'm, and if I'm very frank with you, I'm frustrated that people during this time are choosing the world over Christ, you know? And I'm not frustrated at you personally, but I'm frustrated that this kind of situation that happens causes, about, causes us, causes people to choose those things, right? People are choosing immediate gratification that leads to destruction continually over eternal choices, that actually lead to true satisfaction and blessings. By now, week seven, don't you see that kind of clearly? Aren't you kind of sick of that too? So let's just stop. Turn towards God. Start moving, start move, start moving towards God. Come near to God. And what is he going to do? He's going to come near to you. We call that repentance, a total change in direction. And let's start with that today. Is that cool? Is that cool? Can we decide right now to change the direction of our lives, to stop making excuses, to stop giving in to the same sins, to stop making excuses for not seeking after God and not making God our priority? Why don't we do this? Before we even get into the message, let's just take 15 to 20 seconds. I want you to pray to God right now and I want you to repent, and I want you to tell him not only that you're sorry, confess your sins, but more than that, ask God to help you move in his direction right now. Let's pray. Father, I pray for our people. God, I pray, God, that you just convict their hearts. Lord, the evil one did, is doing a great job on a lot of us, but Lord, we refuse to give in anymore. Father, we pray that you just convict our hearts to move towards you, to pursue you right now and to make you our true Lord and just love you and obey you and serve you with all that we have. God, that's what we want to do. We just want to be yours. So Father, help us to start fighting now, fighting the evil one, fighting on our knees, fighting for you and fighting to love you with all that we have. Help us to make you first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So with that in mind, now with our hearts positioned, seeking after God, let's look at to our message today. You know, today I want to talk about Christ's fullness in Christian fellowship. And once again, I think people misunderstand fellowship all the time. They just think if two Christians get together, they can do whatever they want and they can call it fellowship. But it's just not true. You know, two Christians hitting the club together, getting drunk, whatever. That's not fellowship just because you guys are Christians, right? And to say it simply, that, that's what it is. But if they are hanging out with each other with the purpose to build each other and to encourage each other in Christ, that is fellowship. Do you explicitly have to talk about Jesus or talk about the gospel in order for it to be genuine fellowship? The answer is no, but there has to be intention to build each other up in Christ. But even then, I really believe there's like healthy fellowship and there's also unhealthy 
fellowship. You know, I've had many Christian friends over the years. I've had a lot of people that I've served with. And you know, one thing I've noticed is that there are some Christians that when I hang out with them, for some reason, you just feel more encouraged and you feel challenged to seek after God after hanging out with them. And it's absolutely awesome. But then there are also others that kind of just seem to move your heart and your focus in the other direction, right? And that's as negative as I'm going to get. Look, we all need help. No one's perfect. You know, but the point that I'm making is this. Um, hanging with both parties might be fellowship, but there is a fellowship that points you to Christ and there is a fellowship that has the potential to really drag you down. You can both be talking about Jesus. You can be both talking, talking about church and faith and things like that, but you end up in very different places. We need quality fellowship in our lives, don't we? Especially during times like these, we all do. We need the help of others to make it to the finish line. Quality fellowship inspires us and it challenges us to stay focused and prioritized upon Christ. In our passage today, um, it's going to give us two ways that it's going to help deepen our fellowship with others. And my prayer is that you apply these things throughout all your friendships, especially with people at church, so that your friendships can become partnerships like we talked about last week. And friendships can actually uh, turn into fellowship. Okay, times of great quality fellowship. Here's the first principle. The first point is this. Quality fellowship is gospel-centered. 10 to 11. It says, My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. There are only These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. You know, there are three guys that Paul mentions here in this passage that send greetings. And I want to talk to you briefly about each one. The first one is a guy named Aristarchus. Now, Aristarchus was very, very similar to Tychicus in last week's message. He literally suffered through all of things, all of the things, all the hardships and the persecutions that Paul went through. He was with Paul through thick and thin as well. But do you notice how in this passage, Paul calls him my fellow prisoner? Do you know why that is? The reason why he calls him his fellow prisoner is because Aristarchus, along with Barnabas, voluntarily spent time in jail with Paul. Why? In order to support him, in order to be that friend that Paul needed when he was alone. Isn't that crazy? I mean, if you heard that your friend was put in jail, would you say, excuse me, can you put me in that jail with him for days, weeks, months? Simply because I want to support him. Yes, it's true. I didn't commit any crime, but I want to serve the same time as him because I want to support him. None of us would probably do that. But that's what Aristarchus did. Isn't that crazy? He wasn't guilty of committing a crime like Paul may have been, but he was committed to Paul. He was so committed to Paul that he chose to serve the same penalty as Paul for preaching the gospel. That's a gospel-centered friendship, isn't it? So can you imagine the kind of fellowship they might, they might have had in jail? Can you imagine the kind of things that they would be talking about? Sure, maybe they talked about current sports that's happening in Rome at the time. 
But I'm pretty confident that they would have some amazing worship sessions, that they were probably having some amazing worship sessions together, maybe some amazing sharing and praying sessions together, maybe some amazing times planning, hey, what are we going to do with the gospel next? Who are we going to reach next with the gospel? Some planning sessions. Maybe they were even preaching to each other and just sharing God's word with each other. Quality friendship. Quality fellowship centered upon the gospel. You know, Paul also mentions a guy named Mark. Now, Mark accompanied Paul and Barnabas on Paul's first missionary journey. But for some reason, along the way, somehow, Mark decides to drop out. We don't know what for what reason why. But what we do know is that when Paul went on a second missionary journey and had the opportunity to take Mark along, Paul literally said, no, I ain't going to take that guy. And so there was definitely a rift between Paul and Mark. Um, but here, 12 years later or so, who do we find ministering to Paul in jail? Yeah, Mark. And when we read the history books, it tells us that Mark actually had a flourishing ministry in Rome. And that tells me two things. This is the first thing it tells me. And, and the first thing is this. How amazing is it that you can fail today, but still be used powerfully by God tomorrow? Mark is living proof of that. And the reason is because of Christ and the gospel. You know, Paul might have rejected Mark. Paul might have totally abandoned Mark. But you know who didn't? Jesus didn't. Jesus never abandons us. He never rejects us. And because we're with him and because Christ is with us, yesterday's failures never disqualify us from using being used powerfully tomorrow. Christ is always working within us to bring us to completion in our faith. So never... Let yesterday's fail you ever discourage you from seeking after Jesus and wanting to be used by him. His mercies are new every single morning. You know what that means? It means that if you woke up today and realized that you have life, it means that God's mercies for you today are brand new and he wants to use you for his glory. Isn't that awesome? Yesterday's failures never have to disqualify us from being used powerfully tomorrow. Secondly, the gospel also enlarges our hearts. Now, think about this. If you were rejected by someone like, you know, Mark was rejected by Paul, the last thing that you'd probably want to do is comfort them if you found out that they were in jail, right? If anything, because we're sinful, we'd be like, yeah, that guy deserves it. You know, or we'd say something like that, but not Mark. Why? Because Mark operated with the gospel within his heart. And even though he had his differences with Paul, when he looked at Paul, he knew that this was a person that God wanted to use powerfully for the gospel. And he wanted Christ and the gospel to be known. And so he was able to forgive and to reconcile with Paul over whatever grievances that they may have had. And because of that, they became true partners and they became true advocates and shared deep quality fellowship with one another. You know, there are always going to be people that we don't get along with or that we have conflicts with. And a lot of times as human beings, we allow those differences to stop us from investing in them eternally. But true fellowship is never limited by our personal differences, yet, but it is always liberated by our commonality in Christ and the gospel. You know, if there are people that you have hurt in the past, or maybe there are people that you have hurt, right? Either people who have hurt you or people that you may have hurt. Maybe this is a great time to reconcile with them and to redefine and recenter your relationship upon the gospel. Let the gospel enlarge 
your heart. Lastly, there was a guy named Jesus, also known as Justice. We'll call him Justice, who's described as a fellow Jew among his co-workers. And that description is actually very significant. And the reason why is because most of the Jews back then um, were opposed to Paul because Paul decided to minister to the Gentiles. But there were a few Jews that chose to surrender their associations and surrender their entitlements as Jews in order to partner with Paul. And Justice was one of those guys. And because of that, Paul was so thankful. You know, when friendships are centered upon the gospel, it's the gospel and gospel work which becomes the priority in their friendship. And sometimes that means going against worldly things that we really value. You know, I'm sure these guys, I'm sure Justice wanted to be part of the Jewish community. I'm sure he didn't want to be ostracized, but yet he knew he had to give all that up in order to support the ministry work with Paul. You know, some of the pastors that I respect the most in my life personally are the ones that I know who gave up huge platforms that maybe could have influenced many in order to be faithful for, to the calling that they had personally to pastor their local church. You know, some of the workers that I admire the most and respect the most are people who I know who gave up advancements in their career and the reason why is because they know that it would take a lot of time. It would take a lot more commitment. And the reason why they gave that up is because they wanted to be faithful ministers to their spouses and to their children, to their families. And that's amazing. Some of the, the single people that I respect the most in the world today are people who I know sacrifice a lot of time spent with their friends and going out and doing all these things in order to stay home and be a good witness to their non-believing families. All of these believers are now positioned to relate much more deeply and to have a deeper quality fellowship with other believers because they're choosing to live gospel-centered lives. You know, the lockdown is a great time to reflect on the gospel. It's also a great time to make your life about the gospel. And it's also a great time to then build your friendships and redefine your friendships centered upon the gospel. I mean, aren't there Christian friends, maybe people that you grew up with, that you always wanted to have a Christ-centered friendship with? Maybe now is the time to start. Can I share with you a totally unexpected one that happened in my life this year? You know, there's this guy from FLM, Paul Lee. Maybe some of you guys know him. He's currently in jail. And, you know, I've only met him twice in my life and very briefly at that. Um, but I've been writing to him in jail very regularly. And, you know, through those letters, if I'm very honest with you, I didn't know what to write. I don't know what to say. We're not even really friends. We're not really close. I don't even know who he is. I don't know where his faith is. But, you know, I just started writing to him because I thought I could encourage him in that way. And it was very difficult because... Um, you know, I didn't know what to write. So I just, I just write about my life and I've been writing about what's been happening at church, what's been happening at, in Sydney. And then I end every one of my letters, uh, with something encouraging and something challenging in Christ. And I didn't want to be too preachy because I didn't know, you know, and it was tough because, you know, he didn't really write back for six months. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'm too preachy. I don't know. Anyway, I got a letter this week. And as I opened up this letter, I started reading. I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. Two pages of handwritten letter simply preaching at me about how faithful God is and how scripture has been his strength throughout his whole time in jail 
and how God is teaching him what faith is all about. And what blew me away even more was how concerned he was about me and my family during the lockdown. Isn't that crazy? I mean, here's this guy in jail who is locked up. Who feels bad for me? Because me and my family are in lockdown. That's absolutely amazing. You know, uh, and then I read on and he's just preaching at me, telling me to find my comfort and my strength in God, just like he is as he's in jail. And that made me really emotional, you know? And then I turned to the next page and it's just filled with all these Christian poems. And he says, I'm writing these poems to you because I want your spirits to be lifted to God. And I thought, wow. You know, I may not know this guy as a person, but I consider him my partner. Why? Because Christ and the gospel has become the center of our relationship. It's what we're about. I mean, isn't church friendships supposed to be different than worldly friendships? They are. And the reason why they are is the reason why they're different is because they're supposed to be centered upon Christ and the gospel. So can I say this? Don't be ashamed. Don't hesitate to make all of your friendships at church centered upon Christ and the gospel. That's why we're here. That's why God brought us together. Let's increase the quality of our fellowship with one another by making decisions to be gospel-centered in all of our relationships here at church. Quality fellowship is gospel-centered. Before I get to the next point, which I'm about to do, if any of you guys want to write to Paul, you know, please let me know. I'll give you the details. Secondly, quality fellowship is prayer driven. Verses 12 to 14, it says, uh, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Herapolis. He, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. I want to talk about Epaphras here. He's someone that we actually talked about early in Colossians. Um, he was from Colossae, the city of Colossae. He came back after getting converted probably in, in, in Ephesus, and he planted the church of Colossae, the Colossian church. He planted some other churches around that area. So this church knew Epaphras very, very well. But what we learn in verse 12 is that even though he separated from them, it says that he is always wrestling in prayer. For them. In verse 13, it says that he's working hard for them. That word hard can be literally translated as pain or painful. What does that mean? It means that Epaphras or Epaphras is painfully praying, painfully working hard so that they can stand firm in their faith through these tough times. These Colossian believers can stand firm in their faith during these tough times. How does someone who is so far away work painfully hard so that these Colossian believers can stand firm in their faith? What is the only way to do that? The way that happens? It's through prayer, right? Prayer is what will help these believers stand firm in their faith. You know, I think we underestimate the power of prayer in the Western church today. You know, a lot of times we just look at prayer. Sometimes we think about prayer and it doesn't excite us. You know, but sometimes it brings a sense of dread. You know what I'm talking about? You know, we might be at CG and your CG leader would be like, all right, guys, why don't we just spend this next, you know, this time and sharing and praying with one another. And some for some people, it excites us. For some people, it's like, oh. 
Maybe prayer for you is something that we just start a Christian meeting with and end a Christian meeting with. But what we don't realize is that prayers in the hands of God can change lives. Prayers in the hands of God can change lives. It can change hearts. It can change minds. It can protect us. It can guard us. It can strengthen people and it can grow people in Christ. Do you believe that when you pray for your friend who is struggling in Christ, that when you pray, God can actually change him? Do you believe that? I mean, if you're if prayer wasn't this avenue for life change, then why would Epaphras be so painfully praying and painfully working hard wrestling in prayer? Why? It's because he knows that prayer is the greatest thing that we can do to fight for each other's spiritual health. Prayer is the greatest thing that we can do to fight for each other's spiritual health. Quality fellowship and quality partnership is driven by prayer. And when we pray for others, Epaphras or Epaphras teaches us that we must wrestle, that we must painfully work in prayer for others. What does that practically look like? What does that practically mean? And I think this is what it means. It simply means having this heart that's willing to give up anything or pay any cost because we want God to help build other people. We want God to build other people so badly that we're literally praying, God, whatever it takes on my part, I'm willing to give that up. I'm willing to pay that cost if, if that person can just grow. It's having that kind of heart. Doesn't that mirror the gospel? You know, Jesus, Jesus gave himself completely so that we could know God and be his completely. All right? Isn't Christ praying for us like that right now at the right hand of God? He is. And if Christ is praying like that right now, and he values prayer that powerfully, then shouldn't we? Right? We need to be engaged in that as well. You know, whether we're in lockdown or not, prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do to help each other, protect each other, and to build each other in Christ. So, will you start praying painfully for other people right now? Do you guys understand that question? Can you imagine if every CG member prayed painfully for each other right now, I mean, do you think life would be a little bit different for those people in that CG if they did that during the lockdown? Do you think those members would have more, more motivation? Do you think those members would be making maybe a, a few more eternal decisions in their lives? Do you think those members would have a healthier walk with God? Totally. I totally think so. God wants us to pray. The evil one wants to do everything that he can to prevent us from praying. Why? Because even he knows that there is nothing more powerful that we can do right now for each other than to pray. Prayer changes lives. Prayer is the power behind all that we do. There was a very famous missionary named Hudson Taylor who was a missionary to China. And he went to China and he set up a few of these missionary bases all around China. And consistently, for some reason, there was this one missionary base that just flourished so much more consistently over the years than the others. And he found out why on his next trip back to England, he discovered that the missionary who was in charge of that base, his best friend who was back in England, made a commitment to pray for that missionary every single day without fail. No wonder there was so much spiritual power in that one base. Prayer changes 
lives. It is literally our spiritual life support. And so if people around you are spiritually flatlining, which I know that I've heard stories, they are. There are people around us that are spiritually flatlining. Why don't we commit ourselves to bringing life, to pumping life back into them by committing ourselves to praying for them painfully? That's what we should be doing. Pray for your friends every single day. Pray for your CG members every single day. Schedule dedicated times to pray for them. Painfully wrestle with God and yourself because that's what we need to do in order just to get the prayer so that they can grow in Christ once again. And when they start growing and they get life, their spiritual life back, do you think your fellowship with them is going to be a little bit different? Of course. Of course it will. It'll be radically transformed. So let's grow in our prayers for each other. Quality fellowship is not only gospel-centered, but it is prayer-driven. Transform your friendships into fellowships and partnerships by being gospel-centered and prayer-driven. And let's change the tide during this challenging time. You know, to end... Uh, you know, I don't want to miss this repeated phrase that we read so often in this particular passage, and that is sending greetings. You know, everyone's sending greetings in this passage, and you know, we read stuff like that. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. People just want to say hello, and that's true. Maybe it's because we're going through what we're going through these days. But I love it when I get a text on my phone, and someone's just texting me to say hello. I love it. I. When I hear that ding and I go to my phone and it's not someone complaining, it's not someone who has a problem, it's not someone demanding something from me, but it's just someone telling me that they're thinking about me and my family and that they're praying for us. That like changes my heart. You know, it affects me and it makes me so happy. It inspires me to like want to pray for them and to pray for others and to be more committed to the church and to be more committed to Christ. It is a holy activity to tell others who are struggling that you're thinking about them and that you value them enough to send greetings. Why? Because God does. That's that. So send, please send greetings to each other and then immediately send your prayers directly to God for them. Let's help each other be strong. And let's fight hard for one another during this time. Let's pray. I just want to pray. I just want to lead us in two prayer points today. And the first is this. Some of us need to desperately change direction, don't we? So can I just ask you no more excuses? Just seek after Christ. Put him first. And let's commit ourselves to making him first. Why don't we spend some time in prayer for that?
Secondly, let's get serious about our relationships. You know, with your friends, with your spouse, with your CG members. Make them gospel-centered and prayer-driven. You know, talk to each other. You know, change those friendships into partnerships and start having quality fellowship from now on. Why don't we ask God to give us the courage to change those friendships, to center those friendships upon Christ and ask for His power to do that. And then commit yourself to praying for those people and to be their true spiritual partners. Why don't we spend some time in prayer for that? Why don't we pray together and afterwards I'll end with the benediction. Father, church relationships, church friendships are supposed to be different than the relationships that we have in the world. Father, help us to center all of our friendships upon Christ. And Father, help us discover just deep, amazing quality fellowship with others within our church, within our CG. There are friends that we grew up with in the same church, but yet we never really centered our relationship upon Christ. Give people the courage to do that. And Father, transform the nature of our friendship so that we might have true quality fellowship with one another. Father, we know that we're going through this difficult time together. And Father, I'm sick of the evil one having victory over a people. So God, we pray, Lord, take over so that we might choose you every single day. We might resist temptation. We might resist the evil one. And Father, we would come near to you and run to you, God, with all that we have, Lord, so that our whole lives could be about you, not only so that we can have victory, but Father, so that we can truly have joy and satisfaction that only comes from you, true fullness that only comes from being in Christ. Make Christ everything to us once again during this lockdown so that we might truly be a blessing, so that we might truly painfully Work hard, God, in prayer so that others might have life as well. And so, Father, I want to pray for those that are spiritually flatlining. God, I pray for them. God, I pray that you would just inject your spirit into them. Father, awaken them so they might truly just want you and hunger after you once again. Father, awaken them to the gospel to realize the depth of our sinfulness. But, Father, the beauty of what Christ did upon the cross for them. Lord, we pray may the gospel truly become their treasure once again. Father, we need you so badly during this time. We also pray, Father, for the pandemic and the things that are happening in Sydney and around Australia. Lord, we pray that you give people wisdom, that you'll give people true love for each other, that we'd want to protect each other and just be smart and wise. Father, we pray that you'll bring a stop to this whole virus so that we can truly know you and love you and truly really shine your light to this world powerfully. And God, we pray that you'll just bring things under control. God, what else can we ask for? We ask for that miracle to happen. It doesn't seem like it's going in that direction. But Lord, we just look to you and we depend upon you for that. But Father, more than anything, we want to be the church. 
We want to be the church who truly lives with the hope and the joy that Christ has given us. And Father, we want to be a community that does it, not only amongst ourselves, but Father, especially for this world as they're going through such a tough time together. Use the church powerfully to shine your light onto others so that people might find eternal hope in Christ alone. We thank you, God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord radiate his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen. Stay safe, stay safe, guys, and have a good week. Call me if you need to. 877-381-3811.